Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you, do you know someone, do you know someone who you would consider to be a little bit on the emotional side? (laughs) Some of you are like quick on the draw. I can't even finish. Yes, I know. I mean, if somebody that's like, if they feel it, you know it. You know, where's the heart on the sleeve? Emotional, not afraid to show it. If you know someone like that, can I see an emotionally controlled hand in the air? Yes, I, I know someone. I'm very measured in my hand raising this morning. Now, how many of you would say, you're married to that person? Do you dare? I dare you. I, I kind of wish you would. I want to know how it goes if we got people raising other people's hands. I want to know how that goes after Go Church. I want to hear the stories. I want you to think about this. Emotions, emotions. We're starting a new series today, Emotions. And so I did an old-fashioned Google image search, sometimes a dangerous move to make, the old Google image search, but I did for emotions, okay? And came back with a couple of interesting things I wanted to share with you today. The first one from internationally known theologian Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. He says this, I'm trapped in a glass case of emotion. Do you remember this scene? Have you ever felt like that? The teenagers do on their way to high school on Monday mornings. This one, sometimes, you know, emotions can be connected to food, and I liked it. I don't know what emotion this is, but I've definitely felt it. (laughs) I kind of empathized with that. Just banging the hungry jack. I like that one. Now, some of you, you know, maybe are more emotional than others. I can be a little emotional. Some of you more reserved. You know, you feel it but maybe it's not out there for everyone to see. Equal love for you, so maybe you relate to something like this. My therapist, you need to let people in. Me, it's not locked. Go ahead. I'm an open book. And finally, nobody makes me feel my own emotions. Nobody. Are you married to somebody like that? Don't answer. I want you to think about today, emotions, 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 you know, depending on how you're raised or maybe sometimes in our culture, being emotional or being very much heart on your sleeve can be seen as a sign of weakness, you know, or insecurity, like, stop crying, you're acting like a baby, you know, you're overreacting. Or if you're maybe fighting with your spouse, you know, it's like, you're just being too emotional. And the other person's like, don't tell me how to feel. Emotions, emotions, emotions are a powerful thing. So I was doing a little bit of research on this, and I found a study, and they looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the first four books of the New Testament. So if you're new to Go Church, if you're new to things like Bible, God, if you're here just checking out claims of Christ, you are in a beautiful place full of beautiful people, and this is the place to get it figured out. So we are glad you're here. Can we put our hands together for anybody who's checking it out, exploring all of that? 
So you take a Bible, maybe you, you stand it up on the left side, Old Testament, right side, New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John gets the New Testament started. So they did a study, how many different emotions did Jesus show through the Gospels? So come to find out, 39 different emotions that Jesus showed kind of in the New Testament. I didn't even know there were 39 emotions. 39 emotions. I didn't know this until I had teenagers. And then it's like 39 emotions in one conversation. It's just a wide range of nonstop fun. But I love all my kids. I'm looking at all y'all. I love all, all of you and all of your emotions. So Jesus, you look at his life and you see him having heavy emotions. Like when he looks out over the city and when he sees people that are disconnected from God, you read about how he was grieved feeling heavy, you know, feeling almost like a sorrow, like, man, I want this to be different. You see him overjoyed when he has spent time training his disciples. He sends them out. He empowers them to go out and do ministry. They go out there effective, and he is overjoyed, right? You see scenes where children are coming to Jesus, right? They want to hang around Jesus. Now, the last time I checked, Kids don't want to hang around grumpy people, okay? They don't want to hang around people that have bad attitudes and are scary. I imagine Jesus as warm, as loving, as funny. I do. I think Jesus was funny. I think it's weird to think about, but I think he was. You see Jesus having joy. You see Jesus having grief. Think about before he was crucified. Anxiety so high, sweating drops of blood. Think about the feeling of betrayal. When it mattered most, his men, his followers, his disciples running away, denying they even knew him. That feeling of his father turning his back because Jesus was taking upon all of our sin, the world sent onto himself. God could have no part of that. Turns away that feeling of isolation. Jesus was emotional. I mean, I don't think he was like, drinking syrup with a pancake on his face, but he felt, okay? You see scenes of him, you know, going into a religious space and some of these marketplace folks had really hijacked the sacred space and turned it basically into a mall, trying to make money off everybody, rip people off. They were keeping people from entering into the presence of God and made Jesus like upset, righteous anger, man, flipping over the tables, scattering money all over the place. Jesus was emotional, and I want us to think about this in this series. Are we willing to submit our emotions to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, just like we say we submit other things? If we submit our mind, if we submit our heart, how could we ever say, well, yeah, Jesus, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, sure, Jesus is in my heart, but I'm going to act however I want to act. And if I'm mad at you, I'm going to let you know. And I'm going to hold on to that grudge like you wouldn't believe. I'm going to tell you what happened eight years ago because I still haven't let it go. I want you to be challenged today to begin to evaluate your spiritual progress by how you respond, feel. Are you emotional in a Jesus way? I'm not making a case for emotionally void. Or like, we've got to be super reserved all the time. But are our emotions submitted in the way that we think our heart is submitted? 
So I want us to make some progress on this and see a powerful emotion and a true story from the Bible and be challenged by what we see Jesus do. It brings us to the one big thing. I want you to write this down. Think about it. Compassion takes action. And we're going to see compassion explode out of this true story. We've never read this story here at Go Church. This is an amazing scene. Let's check this out. This is Luke, true story, chapter 7. Compassion takes action. Compassion is action-oriented, okay? It takes action. It moves. It's assertive. Look what happens. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nine, and a large crowd followed him. In the context of this verse, Jesus had just finished sharing the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Big, core, critical piece of teaching. Amazing. Go back, read it. He's just finishing this up, and a large crowd is following him, and they run into another large crowd. Verse 12, check it out. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died, and then watch this, was a widow's only son. So for all the kiddos in the house, a widow means her husband had died before. So this woman had lost her husband, and now she lost her son. Think about how this woman might feel. And a large crowd from the village was with her. So large crowd is intersecting large crowd. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, check this out, his heart overflowed with compassion overflowed with compassion. And if you look at this word compassion in the Greek, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. This word is rich and deep and powerful. It's not just like a tiny, small feeling. I don't know if you've ever had this, but have you ever had a feeling that was so strong, like you feel it in your gut? Like it's just a gut feeling. Like almost if I, if I do or don't do this, I'm gonna throw up. Like I've got to make a move. It's that kind of a feeling. There's no stronger word for an intestinal pulling than this word right here in the Greek. Compassion. So he feels that it's deep, it's hard, it's heavy. And look what Jesus says. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. Now imagine this. Jesus, who I think would probably be tired, fully human, fully God, is coming off a massive teaching. People are still following him. He walks into this town, collides with this other group, and he sees this young woman. I, I think about her as maybe late 20s, 30s, but think about her position. Like, try to put yourself where she is. She's lost her husband. We don't know how. We don't know how old she is, but she has a young boy. I think he's young enough where Jesus could, in a sense, give him back. Like, I don't picture this person as, like, an 18-year-old, 240-pound person, 
I picture this as a young boy that Jesus could kind of help down and, and help back. Jesus is walking into this town. She is coming out. And this is not like a funeral that we would have today. You know, this was 2,000 years ago, the embalming techniques. Hello? Not where they are today. So this boy probably died the day before. And that's the next day. Like as soon as we can do the burial, we're doing it. And so there would be mourners. There would be people who are making a ruckus. They would be loud. They would be crying out. They would be mourning. They would be crying. There would be instruments. And the boy was in a coffin, not like a coffin that we would see today, not super fancy and polished and expensive, probably no sides to the coffin, probably no lid. This boy was probably laid out on a flat piece of wood. More than likely on some kind of a cart, maybe the bearers were pulling this cart, maybe there was an animal, but there were some people around it. And Jesus comes up onto the scene, and you don't read him looking out and saying, oh, that's sad. Oh, but that's rough. And then move on along his way. I imagine him stopping, and the people following him stopping, him seeing, and you see it very clearly from the text, his heart overflowed. And sometimes in this life, you know, you might think, well, did Jesus raise everybody from the dead? Like any funeral procession he ever crossed by, was it like it's time to come back to lifetime? Like Jesus would have been the most popular person to have at a funeral if that were the case. Jesus raised people from the dead, but he didn't raise every single person from the dead. Sometimes in our life, we have this weird thinking where it's like, well, if I can't do it for everyone, right? I can't do it for anyone because I don't want to set a dangerous precedent, you know? You don't see Jesus having this kind of leadership thinking. It's not like we can't do amazing things or we can't raise anybody from the dead because then everybody's going to want us to come to every funeral and we don't have time for that. Got things to do. I want to challenge you today in your leadership in following Jesus, what you can't do for everyone, be willing to do for one. One, maybe your life randomly intersects with another life. This crowd intersects with Jesus and his crowd. He sees the woman, he sees the boy, and his heart overflows with compassion, which is a strange and great and weird reminder that for something to overflow, right, it's gotta be in there to overflow. Think about your life and where you're at with God. Are you just surviving off tiny little religious droplets? Maybe it was dropped in a holiday or dropped in a little prayer time special moment eight months ago, or you're trying to live off some past morsel that's all molded and gone and done. You're trying to live off of the past. What you see here is an overflowing. So what God does in you, he wants to do through you, but you can't have any overflow if there's nothing going on in here. We should never minister or lead out of lack. We should lead and minister out of the overflow. So the emphasis is, if you're spending time with your father, if you are in the word, or if you are in community, if you are in small groups and growing, it starts to swell and build and grow to where you can't hardly stop it. So when you start to feel that intestinal pulling of the spirit, talk to this person, make a move, start this conversation, text them, you've got something to give. It overflowed out of Jesus' life. And then he did something that was a little radical. 
he, he reached out and he touched this coffin. I think, it's just my personal opinion, I think he touched the coffin and the boy. I mean, you have to remember, Jesus is a person that would go up and give someone with leprosy a hug. It is not a stretch to think Jesus reached out and touched this boy. I think Jesus reached out, and when he did, he crossed a line, a religious line. You see, back in the day, religious teachers, important religious folks, Pharisees, Sadducees, basically like PhD-level religious instruction, they had about 613 religious laws they tried to follow. A lot of laws. Sometimes I have a hard time with 10 commandments and the speed limit. <laughs> they had all these commandments. They had all these laws that they're trying to follow. And one of them was you don't touch dead people because it makes you unclean. And you can't be religiously unclean. So you don't touch the dead person. You don't touch the thing that's touching the dead person. Jesus was a line crosser. If there was religion that was in the way, if there were rules that were in the way of people experiencing the power and the presence of God, Jesus was willing to cross that line. Whether it's touching a dead body, giving somebody with leprosy a hug, crossing a religious line on the Sabbath to heal somebody, Jesus was never going to let a rule, a religious rule, keep people from God. That's not even the point of the law. It's to help drive people towards the Lord. So Jesus is a line crosser. He crosses this line and he reaches out and he touches this boy who's physically dead. Can I respectfully remind all of us, including myself, there was a time in our life when if you're a Jesus follower now, there was a time in your life when you were spiritually dead. You might not have physically been laid out on a piece of wood, but all of us, if we're Jesus followers now, there was a time when we were separated from God. There was a time that we were lost. There was a time that we were worshiping self. There was a time when it was like my way, not God's way. And aren't you glad that you serve a savior? That somewhere along the way, just like he saw this boy, he saw you. He saw your past, loved you anyway. He saw your sin, loved you anyway. When you were at your worst, he was at his best. He has reached out, touched us, changed us. I'm telling you, one touch is all it takes to have your life changed. Do you believe it, Go Church? We serve a Savior who reaches out, not just to us. You see, think about this. Here at Go Church, here's what we're about. We don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. That's who we are. We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to cross those religious lines all day long. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what you look like, your finances, your background, what your family's like. We are here growing in God together because the last time I checked in heaven, it's going to be every nation, every tongue coming together to worship one Lord, one Savior. When we have diversity, we have a little bit of heaven right here on earth. But it's something that never happens by accident. It's something that we decide to value. 
And when we do that, we're not valuing diversity, we're valuing each other. And we're all worth the same in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus looks out and he sees this woman, he has compassion for her. And a miracle happens. This was not convenient. Jesus was headed somewhere, but he was willing to stop, to pause, to change his schedule. I want us to get really practical with this. I mean, maybe you're on board already, like compassion, yeah. Jesus, yes. Diversity, mm-hmm. But how, like when you get up and when you leave here today and you do food and you turn the football game on and, and life starts, like, okay, here we go. We're back in like non-church life. Why would this make any difference? Like how could this truth about compassion and being Jesus-y and living like Jesus and, and behaving this way, how could it look? Let's make some progress on this. One big action, write this down. It's something that I think we overlook all the time. I want you to write this down in your heart, write it down in your phone. Recognize the potential in everyday things. Everyday things. Everyday things. Think about this. Jesus was just walking from one place to another. Just walking from go church down to the movie theater. Just walking from this place at work to that place at work. And just walking to your car to go meet this client, to go over here to meet this client. Show this house, go over here and do this thing at school. Just moving from one place to another. You read these kind of phrases all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read things like this. As he was headed to, and then this happened. As he was traveling to this town, this happened. On his way to, he meets a centurion. On his way, he meets a woman at the well. On his way to another thing, he sees a woman who's hurting. On his way. So many miracles and so much of the ministry of Jesus Christ was done through interruption. Interruption. Am I making the case that you should never have a calendar and never have a plan? No. It's saying things like, as he was headed to this town, this happened. There was a plan, but somehow there was a plan within the plan. Do you get what I'm saying? So I want you to think about this today. Are you more submitted to your schedule than you are to your Savior? And just because it doesn't line up with your schedule, all of a sudden it could never be God. Because I got a schedule. Jesus had a schedule. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't just getting up and, well, let's just go do some random stuff today. But Jesus was available. Are we really available? Are we emotionally available to the Lord? If he needs us to feel hurt, because we see someone else and they're hurting. Are you available for that? When you see somebody that you know that is experiencing just a joy moment, man, like God has come through, God has done an amazing miracle, they got an eight on an exam at McAuliffe, 
Are you emotionally available to be like, yes, this is amazing. Are you available? Are you more submitted to the schedule than you are to the Savior? So much of the ministry of Jesus Christ done through and by interruption. Jesus randomly collided with this woman. Think about the random or normal things of everyday life that we have that happen all the time. Parents, how many of you drive your kid to school every once in a while? Can I see a hand? Mm -hmm. Carpools. Some of you had traded cars. You had like the Porsche 911 Turbo S and now you got a minivan. But it's got the V6, so you're happy. How many times in everyday life, what if there were a moment where you happen to be in that car and God has got your kid in a right spot with their heart, they've got a question on their mind, it's a little divine opportunity. It's not like every other day something's happening. Are you available or are you just busy? On to the next thing, already on that conference call, just on that music, just doing the thing, just going through the routine. Maybe you got the grandkid in the car. What if it's a divine moment? What if it's not random today? What if the coming together of the crowd and the coming together in that intersection isn't just serendipitous, isn't just random? What if it's God? What if it's a divine moment? What if that person that you see and it feels random, like you see them, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you see a person and you feel like you should go talk to them or go say something and you you battle with it. It's like, oh, I don't know. It could be weird. It could maybe not turn out so well. Should I? Shouldn't I? And then by the time you kind of get it figured out in your head, like the moment's gone, and you're like, well, next time I, I might. What if that stuff isn't random? Like, what if it's God? What if he wants you to stop? What if he wants you to speak? What if he wants you to pause? Are you available? Think about the people on your team. You're leading your team. You're at work. And you have this feeling that there's something not right with a team member. You don't know what it is, but you just feel like in your gut, like just, I wonder if I should ask if they're okay. Like after the meeting, should I, are you doing okay? What if that's not random? What if it's not like a bad burrito from yesterday? What if it's the Holy Spirit saying just ask them and see what happens? I'll tell you one way that you will never know and one way that you will never see the miraculous in your life is if you choose to be unavailable, scared and weak. It takes boldness sometimes to be available. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. So a couple of weeks ago, I finished my very first triathlon. I was happy to be alive at the end. That's, I just was. My heart was still beating, I didn't drown. That was really my fear, was the water. We made it through, so trying to get ready for this short little triathlon, I was doing a lot of road biking, okay? So from my house, I was biking up to Sand Creek and then following Sand Creek Trail down towards Platte River, and then I would go north, kind of away from downtown because it just smells a lot better that direction. I would go north, and so I'd done a long ride, and I was coming back. I had run out of Gatorade. I'd run out of energy. I was pretty close to home coming up Sand Creek, and I had passed a lot of people that day, people who are marginalized or maybe don't have a place to live. And so I passed this guy, but unlike everybody else, for whatever reason that day, I just felt like I need to talk to that guy. I just felt like in my gut, like, stop and talk to him. So you know what I did? I just kept riding. 
I did. I was like, mm, I'm tired. How easy is this? To start justifying, right? It's like, oh, I got, I've got to really get ready for my message. <laughs> I've got to get ready to preach, not live what I preach. I'm going to get ready to preach. Um, I don't know that guy. Could be a sketchy situation, you know? I don't, I don't know what his story is. So I get about a quarter of a mile probably down the trail, and I'm like, I feel it, man. And that's kind of how I know sometimes. I have this feeling of like, sometimes when I feel like God wants me to do something, I have this intestinal feeling like if I don't, I might puke. I don't know what it is. I just have, I feel it in here. So I had to stop. I turn around. Start heading back, and I look stupid. You know, I'm wearing like spandex. I'm on this dumb bike. <laughs> I come up to this guy, and I just start a conversation. I just introduce myself, and we start talking, and... I just share with him, I said, look, my friend, this might sound weird, but when I rode past you, I just really felt like God wanted me to stop and just tell you that he sees you. God sees you, and he loves you, and he cares about you, and I do too. And we, at, we had like a real conversation right there. It got real, and we prayed together. It was right there on the trail. Let me tell you, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I am nowhere in some elite, spiritual, special pastor category. We're all just believers and followers, and we have different roles to play, but we're all the same. I'm not perfect, but in that moment, I was available. And when you're available, simply available, miraculous things will happen in your life, and you will have some of the coolest stories to tell and some of the most spectacular moments to feel that you will ever have in your life if you will just be available. Are you? If God needs you to hurt for a friend, will you? If God needs you to rejoice with your student who got an eight, will you do it? I want you to get your phone and I want us to pray. I'm not gonna ask you to text anything anywhere. I want you to think about a name. Maybe get your favorite app out to take a note, maybe text yourself, email yourself, you business people, whatever you do to not forget. Get your phone out and do this. I want us to pray. And we're gonna seriously ask God in this moment, is there somebody that I need to see? Not just notice, but is there somebody you need to see? A neighbor, a coworker, a person on your team, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a grandchild, maybe it's a friend but it's somebody that Jesus needs you to see like he saw this woman. Write the name down. Make a decision today. I am going to take initiative. And then you do whatever you feel like the Lord is leading you to do. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a Facebook message. Maybe it's a call. You know, Calls can be weird now. Nobody calls. But if it's a call, make the call. If it's a conversation, if it's a question, like maybe God drops a question for you to ask this person on Monday. Make a decision, I am going to answer the call of God. I am going to be obedient. I'm going to ask this question. Let's pray. God, I pray this for me. I pray this for our family. I pray this for our team. Would you please drop a face, drop a name into our hearts. God, let us love people when they least deserve it and least expect it. Help us to be available with our time. We do not value our time more than we value you, God. I pray for the miraculous to be normal in our community. Just like original Christianity, the miraculous was normal. 
God, I pray for miracles. I pray for dead people to be raised back. I pray for healing emotionally, physically, spiritually. God, marriages that look like they're going to flame out and die, that you would breathe life into them. God, children, teenagers who are struggling, trying to find you, figure out purpose. God, help us to make a difference and to lead and to serve and to be available. Now, in this moment, I want to ask you, write a name down. Write yourself a note. Simultaneously asking God to give you strength to reach out. You're here today. Just keep your eyes closed. Let's get personal. Jesus loves you the same way that he loved that woman. If you're hurting today, he is with you. If you're in need today, he is for you. Do you know him? That's what this is all about. It's not about just knowing some things about Jesus in your head. It's about knowing him, a relationship in your heart. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship, and that starts with you. Do you know him today? How can you? The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The beginning of a relationship with God. Jesus didn't come to make us good to better. He came to move us from death to life. There's no such thing as good people, bad people. There's forgiven people, unforgiven people. Listen to this. Jesus came he lived the perfect life. He laid that life down for me and you on the cross. He spilled his blood. He gave his life. He paid for our sin. They peeled him down off of that tree. They put him into a tomb, dead, one day, two days. But on the third day, God miraculously raised him back to life. He's alive today, and he has a plan for your life, and it's to know you. If you want to pray to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now out loud. Pray this, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life, and I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.